Hello and welcome to Discover Energy Work. Today uh, we have Ken Keach. I'm Richard Wicks. I'm you know I'm I'm here every week uh, interviewing uh, different people, and Ken is somebody you know you know that you hear on those uh, talk shows, and he doesn't need an introduction. Well, honestly, Ken's introduction is is so big because he's got so much experience. Uh, it'd probably take us you know most of the show to go through it. Um, I'm very, very lucky to know Ken and I consider him one of my Chiang Mai friends. And every time I talk to him, I feel like, you know, I'm just, you know, there with somebody with a great deal of information and knowledge and somebody who's really dedicated a lot of time into uh, part of energy work and so on. And so, first of all, for everybody, uh, everybody at home, wherever you are on the train or welcome Ken to Discover Energy Work. Thank you. Thanks for coming. Um, and you've, you know, you've got this enormous background, which is why I wanted to invite you on the show. You're very, very kind to come. Um, I don't really know uh, where to start to introduce you, um, but I mean, would you, would you, would you dare to give yourself a small introduction for the people at home? <laughs> I've had a, an interesting life and usually it depends on which audience I'm talking to as to what I bring forward. I grew up on a cattle ranch with a father was a professor of agriculture, a, uh, a uh, ex-university professor of animal husbandry, a colonel in the U.S. Army and a counterintelligence agent. So I had the normal village life growing up in a German village in Wisconsin. Uh, and then went on to study international business and economics. And because I didn't really care about the Vietnam War, uh, I also got a degree, uh, did the work for Sykes, Ocean Anthro, and then went off and became an international banker and lived and worked in Southeast Asia, Africa, Middle East, uh, Rand mm -hmm. Banks in Japan, Hong Kong. And in all that time, I was always very interested in uh, esoteric things. And you have to understand the local cultures and histories and religions if you're going to work with people in those diverse environments. And so that was always a very long-standing uh, interest of mine since uh, as long as I can remember in some form or another. Well, yeah, I mean, I feel like you, it's like uh, the veneer on top is this, uh, I can also say, uh, professor at, at various uh, universities in America and uh, these experiences with uh, um, the banking community inter internationally, but like I that, should be careful to say, I was in the graduate business school faculties, not a professor. I was an adjunct, so I was teaching the graduate classes, but I I wasn't in the tenure track, so I wasn't a professor per se. But for those unacquainted with with the American system, sometimes it's easier just to explain. Their distinction between university teacher and professor is non-existent. <laughs> right. Um, well, um, I wanted to. Uh, yeah, thanks for clearing that up. Um, I wanted to actually go back to because we sat down and in, uh, in um, uh, a coffee shop in Chiang Mai and, and talked about your background being so enormous in the esoteric. But where could we start? Where Where can this podcast, which is kind of like the the beginners, you know, discover energy work uh, in so many ways. Ways, 
uh, to help people understand their own experiences and feel like they have a community. Um, but you were telling me that you had a very, very early experience where you could say it was a kind of awakening uh, experience. I think you're saying it was when you were about six. Can you tell everybody a little bit about that? Would that be okay? Oh, sure. Um, when I was uh, in the summer between uh, kindergarten and first grade, I picked some plants I was allergic to and died and did my Elizabeth Kubler-Ross near death or actually death plus long coma experience in which I saw innumerable things on the other side that were extremely intelligent and kind and loving and uh, forever changed my view of the world and what was there. But those things didn't agree with the extreme fundamentalist rural agricultural view that I got in Wisconsin. Mm. And so uh, I spent much of my early life trying to search libraries to find things and studying Egyptians and Incas and Aztecs and anybody else I could think of, such as that was available back in the 1950s and early 60s, which wasn't much. Uh, to try to reconcile what I knew was true from the doctrinal malarkey that was being shoved down my throat as part of my culture. How does one as a six-year-old um, being given access to this like mind-blowing um, you know, view, I mean, maybe um, some parents are out there, they've got a six-year-old that's coming back from a near-death experience and saying things. I mean, how were you, how did people um, deal with you? Did you, did you talk about the experience? Did you, did you share your experience? You know, memory's a little faded now that I'm 75 years old, but mm. generally I remember I didn't talk to people about it very much because I quickly got the download that uh, they didn't want to hear it and it didn't make sense to them and you were in danger of being classified as delusional. Uh, so uh, when you're growing up in a Calvinistic uh, world, that sort of thing, you used to get witches burned and uh, people, you know, <laughs> people thrown to the Inquisition. So uh, really I knew these things to be true and I searched for them in American Indian uh, traditions and other things, but uh, basically it was something I knew and used as kind of a, a compass or a gyroscope to focus the rest of my my life besides my interest in uh, in business and economics and and those things which uh, came from growing up in the village of Kohler which had one of the longest and deadliest labor strikes in American history so when I went to university I studied business but I studied personnel and industrial relations which was the culmination of social sciences applied to business but I'd grown up on cattle ranches, buying and selling cattle and mm. traveling all over rural Wisconsin, doing that with my uncles and family. And so I had an economic interest and a side of me that was very practically oriented as you have to be if you're running a cattle ranch. And then there was this other part, which uh, was also true, but I, I found no disconnect between the two, but I found most of my life people who were a part of uh, when I was teaching meditation or uh, esoteric studies uh, for the Theosophical Society or the Anthroposophical Society, 
I usually didn't start by introducing that I had business degrees and was a banker because they would have thought, huh? And to I certainly guarantee you that while sitting in bank meetings, uh, I certainly didn't discuss esotericism, although I might explain local religions and cultures to people so that we could do some negotiation if I had other Yanks along with me or Brits while working for Hong Kong Bank or Barclays. Right. Right. It's, it's, um, and again, that's sort of what we're um, interested in is this, um, uh, as, you, as you get to know energy work, you realize there's this whole um, like um, secret life that you have um, and there's not much that you can do because if you start talking to people about it, they think you've got one brick short of a load. Um, there's an ever-increasing consciousness coming into the world. What used to be highly unusual is now part of normal conversations in America, and I find relatively increasing in Europe and elsewhere. Hmm. So uh, what was once oceans apart is now uh, more mainstream, and that's, that's good. Uh, as more people try to improve themselves and embrace energy work and find solutions for the millions of years of karma and uh, wrong understandings that have been incorporated into our lives, our cultures, our minds. Uh, we can find these tools which can enter the subconscious, the very thing that Freud and Jung and everybody else was telling you you had to heal because that controls the human mind. We think by the way we're trained and schooled in the West that it is our logic and brain that's working, but that's a very late development in the evolution of, the, of animal species and only humans really have that huge frontal cortex where that does anything. So what they don't realize uh, in most cases is that most of our decisions are made by impulse, instinct, or we just know it's right. And that may have the wrong information or downloads and until modern psychology, or unless you had esoteric Buddhist studies or esoteric Sufi studies, there wasn't any really way to get to that stuff. They just slapped your side of the head and told you to, you know, straighten up and fly straight or join the Marine Corps and get tough or, you know, go read your Bible. Or you're going to go to hell if you didn't uh, change whatever was bothering you. So uh, thank goodness we live in the age we do. But, yeah. Uh, it's important that we do this energy work and bridge those gaps. And as you were alluding to when you began, there are many pathways to do that. Uh, the problem is discerning which ones are honest because there's a lot of snake oil salesmen mm. and there's a lot of people who don't know what they're talking about. Um, but there's also huge... Now, uh, let's, Freud really developed his work about 115 years ago, and the Buddhists have been working on it for about uh, two, uh, two millenniums. So, you know, you can go pick different schools to try to enter into these realms of knowing and change and systems work to uh, make your life better. Mm. Because we all have about, you know, we, most of us will find as we do it, we keep running into the same problems time and time again. We have about six, eight, 12 holograms in our head of reality that we've gotten from various sources. And you can use these kinds of works to change those, but otherwise 
you just keep manifesting it perhaps more subtly as you do your work, but it takes a long time to, to get the orbit to get smaller and smaller until you achieve a pretty good degree of uh, ever better mental health and subconscious decisions. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Actually, I wanted to share a story actually about um, meeting you um, because I had, I, I, first I met you in Butter is Better, so I met you, so shout out to Butter is Better in, in Chiang Mai. I met you in, in uh, Butter is Better and we had this you know, brief conversation and I said, well, I'd love to talk to you, you know, just chat with you and we made friends. Although I said like, you've got to come on my show, you've got to come on Discover Energy Work. Um, but the day before I met you for the first time to chat about this, I woke up in the night and I thought a bomb had gone off. Like, I mean, I'm not a bomb, but like, it, you know, the uh, power transformers when they blow a fuse, the street ones, it sounds like cannons just shot something. And I, I jumped up in bed like, what's just happened? And it was very strange. I looked outside, checked the light, the lights. There's no problem with the electricity. So, well, maybe there's been a fuse blown somewhere. Um, and then um, I went back to sleep. It happened again. Yeah. And mm. I'm convinced that it was because, um, you know, your, your energy vibration was working with me already. So it was helping me with something, with something on a consciousness level. Um, and, uh, and it, this is something that I think people don't really consider that before you meet somebody, even your, your whole energy kind of prepares you for that meeting. Don't you think? The more that you do meditation and work on yourself, the greater the incidences of synchronicity where stuff lines up. I, I liken it for a, a visual to when you watch really competent uh, surfers doing those Hawaiian waves. You know, they're standing there looking effortlessly flowing through this stuff and are just scooting along with this huge tsunami pushing them forward that you think <laughs> would otherwise crash you. If you look behind you, you'd go, oh my God, how did I get here? Uh, but uh, yes, that increasingly happens as you, uh, as you progress in this kind of work. But there's this, and I might add, it's in a good direction, although on some occasions the change is sufficient because you needed that motivation, that it may take you a year or two to look back and go, oh, now I know why I like this. Because <laughs> at the time you think, I didn't volunteer for this. Right. But uh, yeah, it's always good. The more that, you do, the better it gets. That's something. So, so something I wanted to sort of array raise with you because i could see us talking for a number of episodes about different areas because you've just got this this uh, amazingly broad background but something that i'm interested in is helping people and ideally you know you know helping them by some self-help method so they can help themselves you know the best thing is is instead of uh, giving man a, a man a fish teach him how to fish, and then you fed him for his life. Well, you give him the fish, you give him the meal. Um, and uh, I'm not really sure how to broach it with you, but I, I feel that somebody with your background probably got quite a lot of experience with uh, self-help. And as you say, there is a lot of snake oil out there. Um, 
Yeah, I, I've really sort of seen things in, for lack, comes to mind in three dimensions. One, the Buddhists talk about you've got to have skillful means. Um, you've got to get your own life in order through discipline and whatever to get some kind of income and some kind of habits and things that allow you not to be adrift. And that usually starts in life with defining what are your values, not the kind your Boy Scout troop or your mom or your church told you, but what are your values? And then the more those line up with then the next step of saying, what are your goals so that you know where you're going? Because there's that old saying, if you have a, a why, you can get through any how. And uh, that helps line up that part of the compass to true north, to your guiding stars. And then there's the psychological and the spiritual. And those things have to be in balance. You, you can begin to do different types of work with qualified therapists, hypnotherapists, energy workers, whatever, to get your, your demons lined up, addressed, uh, discovered, put light upon, however you want to say it. And then there's spiritual practices, something as simple as uh, uh, you can just, there's some programs you can download just to ring a Tibetan bell every minute or every half a minute or whatever. And every time it bongs, you just remember to bring your breathing and your thinking back to some place in your head, your nose, your breathing, or, you know, some of you just concentrate on breathing. There's silver mind control is sort of the granddaddy of all of these systems, whatever. That's one I remember first learning. Uh, before I studied other places in Asia. Uh, all of those things are good to discipline the mind uh, to, to change its frequency, to clean it up, to be able to get you to places where the improvement can occur. And those things have to be in balance. If you, uh, if you do, uh, not using the word in the derogatory sense, but I had lots of friends who were hippies but they didn't have the discipline in some of these other parts of their life. They were wonderful, kind, very sensitive souls, but they couldn't move the, uh, the reality of things around them very far because they were too far out there in many regards, lovelies as they were and inspiring as they were. So the point is, and I've met lots of bankers and accountants and other people who live in golden cages of their own making with such levels of wealth and unhappiness as to be really pathetic. Mm. So until you're going to get this uh, in a relative degree in balance, or the Japanese would say, study the middle way, or as Franz Kafka says, find all truth is paradoxical, or you've got to find that balance point. And these are the work that you're doing and others is what causes that to help people manifest it by the help of a coach, you know. Uh, one of the funny things I found, particularly when I was first starting out trying to explain psychotherapy and other things to people or whatever, I would say to them, well, did you learn how you eat with good manners by yourself? Did you learn how to play football by yourself, soccer, canasta, you know, uh, do mathematics? And I said, well, of course not, we all had teachers and I said, so why are you saying you don't need a teacher for mental health? Why don't you need somebody 
to help you look at, examine the play. I mean, you wouldn't try to play football without the coach saying, now let me explain to you how the backfield motion works or how to run this, how to run, how to play cricket. You know, you just don't take the bat and hit somebody with it. You know, here's, but somehow we're supposed to know in by historic thinking, how to be emotionally and mentally healthy. And I always thought it the great paradox that we can go to college or university or high school and take classes in quote communication and learn to speak and conjugate verbs in French or Swahili, but boys and girls don't know how to talk to each other. We don't learn how to reconcile differences. We do not learn how to uh, get in intelligent discussions of conflict resolution, but you know, you learn the rules of Latin grammar. Oh, that's gonna be helpful. I mean, yeah, if you're a Latin scholar, right. you still go to Catholic church, mm -hmm. but it may be more useful to be able to not get a divorce or to be able to figure out how to keep friendships. Anyway, mm -hmm. side digression there. The terrible importance of ever improving mental health without the stigma attached to it. And now we live in an age where both spiritual and mental health issues can be progressed like never before. Mm. But there's also, as my Tibetan friends say, the hardest place in the world to get enlightened is in America because we have such constant diversion of entertainment and now in the world of electronics and whatever, mm. people don't know how to find their own mind. Uh, you see people when they begin many times to meditate, they're terrified to do, be alone or talk to themselves or, uh, or uh, be in any level of non-communication. Mm. And that's because the dark side is trying to break through and talk to them. And you'd think that they were being eaten by the zombies that they'd like to watch movies about. So it's ever harder if you don't uh, get down to it to, uh, to bridge those gaps. And there's ever more... Uh, energies to keep you from ever finding yourself. Mm. So do you, can, can we um, go to like your first experiences or how did you like first get on the first class you ever went to or, or how, and how that experience like helped you choose your next path uh, as it were? Um, because you must have gone, I mean, at the time you were learning, there, was, there wasn't so much around. I think when I was trying to find it in books or meet foreign students at university and whatever, but it was kind of like wandering around in the near dark in the woods and trying not to trip because there just wasn't that many things which weren't part of the tradition in the 60s when I was going to college. There was more awareness politically and socially, but we hadn't really made the gap yet. So I think the first classes I took uh, was um, Maharishi's uh, chanting class in Japan when I was there. Right. And at the same time, I was studying Aikido with a Shinto priest and learning Shinto healing. And uh, they were doing marvelous things. And I remember being shocked in kind of a sense of validation because this old duffer who was in his 80s, uh, people in the Aikido classes, people would attack him, you know, with their moves or whatever. He wouldn't even touch them. He would just use light energy and bounce them all around. Mm -hmm. And when you saw it, you kept thinking, you know, is this some sort of 
magician act or whatever, but once you experienced that energy, you went, oh, okay, now I understand there's a, there's a there there. And that was very helpful. And that was like 1972. And then wow. I went to probably the most significant class I ever took was from a wonderful fellow called Bob McChesney in Seattle, Silva Mind Control, because that's sort of the granddaddy of all of the how do you use meditation in its different aspects, mm. uh, because you can use meditation just for calming, for insights, for healing, uh, for communicating with others, uh, for prognostication. So once you discover the array of things that exceed beyond what our Western society or our normal sciences tell us. Um, you know, you, you run in, for those in the West, we study philosophy thinking we're going to find existential answers or whatever. Hmm. But there are just opinions to be had. You can learn in, you know, you can learn what uh, logical sentences you can put together, whatever, but you don't get answers. And the sciences will teach you stuff that works with the physical, physical world, but you can't get the esoteric or the existential questions answered uh, in those uh, items, although you can learn values and approaches. So you, you need to find, you don't need to, if you wish to, you can find answers that are in, you can validate once you learn to use your mind at a different level. And it takes a while because when you first start doing it, it's like trying to watch all of the TV channels at the same time. You can't tell fact from fiction from whatever. Mm. But eventually, uh, through the help of training teachers, you can pick up the channels or the vibe or whatever you want to call it uh, that carries the information. And that's the ones that will give you more guided and appropriate and truly valid insights that you can then check out in a more scientific fashion nice. by saying, okay, I see this. Does it really happen or work? If yes, proceed. If not, you know, go back to go and don't collect $200 kind of thing. Because you are in um, uh, Kobe uh, learning, is that right? Oh, learning Aikido in Kobe. Mm -hmm. um, yes. The priest. And it, it must, was it pretty much like, you're thrown in and just see if you swim. It was not so much was explained to you. It's like do these moves and just follow what we're doing. Um, you know, the, it's the funny thing about life when you're starting out and looking forward, it makes no sense. You're just going down this alley and that alley. And, you know, uh, when I talk to my children and it sometimes is like, you know, but when you look at it from, at the age I am now, it's absolutely linear. <laughs> it's mm. like, oh, well, all made sense. You know, from here to there, I can now draw a straight line backwards. But from the other side, you would think you were spinning in a, in a spin dryer uh, uh, as you try to make sense of it. So I would say that all of those things were just steps along the way. And as you became ready, things revealed themselves. And as you, as your mind and heart felt you wanted to get the next thing, there was just all kinds of stuff showing up that, uh, it's just been a wonderful life. It's helped me amend myself in ways that I can definitely say I certainly feel improved for the time I've spent in this lifetime. Hmm. And, um, well, I mean, that's, that's amazing, isn't it? If you can find something which, I think if any of us can find something which helps us feel 
feel better about our lives and then helps us deal with certain things in our lives. It's, it's got to be uh, so worth it. And, it. and it's also so, I think, as you say, it's becoming more mainstream, but it's so sort of out of mainstream. And then, um, but what I was kind of alluding to with talking about the Asian approach with the Aikido is what I was wondering if it was more, um, how can I say, implicit. And then when you go to learn like silver mind control, it goes, do this, you'll get this result. If you don't get this result, you can expect this result. If you get, if you don't get that, you might want to check your, your fundamentals or, or whatever. Um, it's kind of like a, the same thing, but like totally taken from a different point of view. Yeah, um, paradoxically, I would say that having been and studied in India and Japan and Hong Kong and a lot of other places with various teachers, it's actually easier when the teachers come to the USA because they're delivering in most cases a more condensed, understandable approach for Westerners mm -hmm. as opposed to cleaning the latrines for two years before they tell you the first damn thing. And being a chela or a, undergrad, a student before they reveal the truth, it's much more like joining, uh, having to working your way up through the ranks of, uh, of enlisted to officer corps. Whereas when they come to the West, they tend to download more in order to validate their marketing approach or whatever. I don't, it's very, perhaps not kind, but I found it was easier to learn whether it was Tibetan mysticism or, uh, or Shaolin uh, forms of movement and healing in, the, in Seattle than I did finding them having to dig through the backwoods of the Himalayas or back parts of Japan. Uh, just because those cultures tend to do their training with a long-term commitment and a subordination. And also in Asia, they tend to want you, not that there's a right way or a wrong way, but they want you to join the club forever. Whereas in America, it's much more like, hey, grab some of this, grab some of that. Now mm. you decide what you want. Now there's a good side and a bad side. Mm. You can chase phenomenology all over the place. I know people that go to a new seminar every other week. This week's it's crystals. The next week it's pyramids. Next week it's some form of meditation. You know, they never settle down and get a discipline. Right. But I would say what I would recommend to people is you go into the go into the Baskin Robbins for the first time, never having eaten ice cream. And you go get those little scoops and you say, that one looks good. That one looks good. That one looks good. And then having sampled a few of them, you go, you know, screw these other ones. I'm really into whatever your favorite flavor ended up being after you had a taste all the time being conscious that are they trying to get your money from you? Are they trying to draft you into some kind of crazy organization or are they delivering the goods? That's where I, uh, I did on YouTube a thing that introduces the major Western, or not Western, but the major schools of esotericism, East and West. Right. And then there's some links in there that say to people, should you be interested? These are some valid ones that I know of. Mm. Not that there aren't a whole load of others that I may not know. Mm. Uh, but the point is, I've also seen so many other ones where you're kind of like, oi vey. Come on, guys, you know, mm. it shouldn't be illegal for you to be talking. Mm. So you've just got to show discernment. And it's hard mm. until you've been around the block a few times. So I go back to saying, 
finding teachers like yourself, talking to other people who know, looking at something like uh, YouTube video that I've done or other places, uh, you know, you, those are good places to start and tell your instincts, tell you to go somewhere. But after a while, you really do need to settle on a practice or a few practices as opposed to just getting lost in the hall of mirrors. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'll, um, I'll definitely put a link to that video. I have watched the whole thing. It's, a, it's, oh. it's great. I mean, it's a, it's a good piece of work. You've got a, I, I've, you've got a, um, who's that wonderful um, um, narrator? Um, that does all these nature programs. Morgan Freeman. You've got a Morgan Freeman, you know, uh, kind of uh, uh, narration going on there. It's really, it's very good. And you spend a lot of time uh, putting it together. Um, I feel, I feel that. So um, we've talked about a little bit about your experience with uh, uh, silver mind control. Um, and does silver mind control actually exist anymore? Is it, has it changed? It's evolved over time. Uh, historically, when Jose Silva was alive, it was, it was much more pure and was really extremely concerned with helping a lot of people. I gather the opinions of my friends who were Silva teachers that dealt with it over the decades and it increasingly, as the children took over, became somewhat more commercial and divided into more products. Nonetheless, as a starting point, you can go whatever you're, it does exist all over the world in the major cities, you can find it online. Um, and uh, you can even get some of the stuff on YouTube. Uh, but it helps to have, to be with a good instructor that helps you get the attunement to those frequencies that helps when you're around other graduates mm. who go back and audit the class again uh, to pick up on what they've learned and, and mm. what they've done. Uh, so yes, the answer is yes, it still exists. Uh, just go find a good teacher with, like with anything there is within the club, the better and the not so great. And just go see how you vibe with uh, who's ever offering the class. I know in London alone, there's like six or seven different teachers. Hmm. And, and um, interesting uh, topic. Um, if something is becoming more financial, that, uh, as I say, like more maybe commercial, yeah, uh, and it's energy work. I mean, that isn't necessarily a bad thing. I mean, thing, you know, if, if, if an organization has to make money, it's not necessarily a bad You've thing. You've got to make a profit to exist and continue. Right. The, uh, again, it becomes a matter of how, it's like trying to find if that old book, Mr. Chips, finding the good teacher that really cares and becomes involved with you in a good way uh, can be so much more helpful than just getting the general lecture by the prof. And we've seen many people who've gone down a slippery flavor without mentioning any names where they started off with very, very good intentions. And as, as they've grown and become, you know, I mean, it's like uh, in the Bible belt, the, you know, the, the, the holiest man, um, you know, in five years, he's, he's got some terrible uh, scandal around him. So I think that's, that's One fair of the greatest to say. teachers I know, Dr. Lewis Kaiser, who's in California, uh, and Alameda once said to me, one of the greatest dangers of being a good teacher of these subjects is not getting caught in the guru trap where 
because people appreciate you and give you lots of feedback, mm. you start to think you're better than, or you start trying to do things to guide people too much as opposed to show them how to do. It's, uh, it's very seductive in that way. Mm. That, that is an interesting um, topic. I mean, we'd call it, I, I got taught uh, Sifu syndrome in, in uh, um, Hong Kong because you've got Sifu is the teacher, the guru. Um, oh, and uh, the guru trap, yeah, I mean, absolutely. And I, you know, as a teacher myself, I, I think I fall into it all the time, you know, because- this, this happens to anybody when they have success, when you watch people in banking get promoted up the chain of command, there's a point when they, many times they start thinking they're better than other mortals because they've gotten some good feedback. Right. And it's one of the great uh, ego traps. Uh, there's that old Greek saying, uh, those whom the gods would destroy, they first make mad. Uh, so it's easy to, and the Romans emperors used to in the early stages, when they would come back triumphant, they would always have their chariot driver whisper in their ear as they were going through their triumphal processions, all is vainglorious, all is death, <laughs> you know, <laughs> so that they didn't sort of like get, start thinking as Caesar did and go mad with power or success. Yeah. I'd like to refer everybody to Decker Kellner, Professor Decker Kellner at UCLA. He did, a, I think it's UCLA. Uh, he did a lot of work on the, the power paradox. And I think it's worthwhile for absolutely everybody because, uh, you know, even if in, your, in a family, you can be in that power, a position of power, and it changes, it literally changes how the brain works. It's, it's not personal, you're not a failure, it's just you have, to, you have to be aware that your biology may be taking you down a bit of a road, which is not gonna be that useful for you um, in the long term. It's not a sustainable road, yeah? As, as you say, the, the emperors knew that, uh, the old emperors of Rome, they knew like, you need to be reminded after a great success, so you, you're probably going to um, make a boo-boo. the nouveau riche as they test them sociologically. Increasingly, as people have success, lots of times they become less empathetic because they somehow get the illusion they're better than others. Um, Many of my friends who are successful Republicans seem to think that the world, uh, that they're better than other mortals to the detriment of all. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, interesting fact, the, the, the most powerful thing you can do to increase your own personal power, and power being defined as the ability to influence something, yeah, things, people, events, um, is empathy. So de develop your empathy. And of course, on the same side, uh, when you develop your empathy, you get to a certain level of power where the empathy just drops off. And of course, then you're in the trap because uh, you, 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 you're convinced you're right. <laughs> so yeah, it's fascinating. It is funny. Anyway, um, I, I would like to uh, ask you sort of in a rounding off kind of way. Um, so if somebody's coming as a beginner and they're coming across thing that they feel is good. Is there any other advice you'd like to give them when they meet that you know, um, new thing? Or, or maybe uh, somebody who's just started having phenomena, started having their 
op energetic opening experience? Is there advice you give them? I think that many times people have these unusual experiences and historically, because Western minds and science didn't agree, oftentimes they would end up being given psychotropic chemicals to numb them uh, because they couldn't understand it or the, the professional systems weren't competent. That's different than people that truly do have problems, but there is a, a level sometimes of insights and things that you're fortunate if you can find gifted teachers. Um, I've had the good fortune that there's people like Dr. Uh, Rosamund Miller in Palo Alto, California, or Dr. Louis Kaiser, uh, who uh, people that I've known throughout my life who are brilliant minds and uh, can are more than happy to help people find directions and schools of thoughts uh, that, uh, or Jessica Lucas in, uh, in San Jose. Uh, these are all people uh, that are just incredibly kind and gifted and have helped thousands of people find pathways that are valid. So there are many people like that. Again, it's since anybody's integrity and, uh, or you can go in systems like, you know, if you're looking for sort of the vanilla, easy approaches to begin, silver mind control, Rosicrucians, uh, Sufis of the West, um, uh, there's any number of them that are out there that I list in, in my video as right. places for people to start. Uh, and then like anything, it's like getting you to go from kindergarten to first grade to second grade to third. And of course, with each step along the way, your discernment and your wisdom gets better. Uh, but uh, those are all important steps. And again, uh, finding a good, uh, there's so many different forms of, of psychotherapy and hypnosis with people who have, uh, you know, go do your research and find people that have a good reputation that aren't weirdos. Uh, all of those are great ways to progress yourself and will change your life and eliminate the many of the increasingly eliminate the recurring problems uh, that you have and will continue to manifest if you don't address this stuff. Mm. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Well, I'm no doubt uh, I'd like to sort of uh, extend an inv invitation for you to come back and talk with us again. Um, but thank you so much. I think a lot of people are going to get a lot from uh, listening to your um, you know, extremely deep knowledge and broad knowledge. You're very kind and I'm happy to be of service if, uh, if that's of use to you. So thank you very much for the invitation to be here. Uh, it's really brilliant to talk with Ken. Uh, he's um, really a wise man. Uh, please go and check out the uh, page and check in the show notes. We I do have a link to the video that Ken refers to. Um, really got a lot of time for people that really spend a, a lot of time and effort researching this stuff. All right. Have a great week. See you next week.